Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show The Umbrella Academy. Today we'll be covering the fifth episode from the Netflix TV series The Umbrella Academy titled Number 5 and the sixth episode titled The Day That Wasn't. The Day That Wasn't. <clears throat> Number 5 and The Day That Wasn't. I don't it's know, like these the titles... the day didn't exist. Yeah, well that's pretty much <laughs> what happened there. Um, so with that... I think we will go ahead and jump into our top five. Sean, we'll give you the honor this week. I know you were sick. You've been sick this uh, week. Battling it, yeah. I would like to go back on these couple of days and figure out whatever it was that made me sick would and eliminate you, it. Do you like to go back in time and figure out what it was <laughs> and 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 change things a little? Yeah, I got my butt kicked two weeks in a row. So hopefully I'm on the back end of it and I'm good to go. But Let's you'll probably hope. hear a little coughing, maybe some <laughs> sniffling, but we'll get through it. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. We'll try to keep this uh, to a minimum so that way you can get through it here. All what right, you so got? My number, my number five, I thought it was really cool whenever you see uh, these kind of environments that are very mundane, like resemble everyday life, but they're in a very non-everyday life thing. So my mm-hmm. number five is just the corporate business life for this company that they have of assassins. Yeah. So we see number five show up and instantly he's put into like, you know, company politics, you know, uh, (laughs) what do you, what do you call that? It's not company politics, but, um, oh, office politics, I guess is the best word for it. Yeah. And just the, like kind of the, um, stereotypical, like mundane office life, yeah, of like yeah. or like the boring offices. There's probably some really interesting offices to work in, but some just that was mundane, boring. Looks like a 1950s yeah run inspired type office. Yeah, typewriters, and you you have like the one position that nobody really needs, but they don't want to get rid of her because she's so <laughs> close to pension. You know, it's kind of one of those companies that's so big that you can kind of hide those things. Mm-hmm. Not really hide, but like nobody like worries about because it it's just a, it's like it's like in the movies. In the movies, they order like ten thousand. Item, I think they call them item C's or item D's. Yeah, and they say it's like it's like six hundred or sixty thousand dollars. And what it is, Rima, it's just like clothesline hangers. <laughs> so they they say they need like sixty thousand dollars worth of them, even though they don't need that many because mm-hmm. it kind of buffers their budget. It gives them like fifty thousand dollars to play with. And so that's kind of what you see here is just this big office. You know, lots of people that probably just kind of fly under the radar. We learned that the one guy, I can't remember what his name was, um, was having issues getting the, uh, uh, it sounded like some ship. He was trying to figure out how to get some ship to sink or something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, But it was cool to see like the interactions going on here. And I would love to see like just an extended couple episodes on this because when number five was doing his piece, he kind of walked through what he did. I believe it was to get the Hindenburg to blow up. Yeah, that's what it seemed to imply there. Which is weird because I thought he was in one of the things where he shot the Hindenburg. So I, I'm maybe maybe I'm just connecting the dots here, but maybe he was his own handler. Maybe because I know we saw a scene where he shoots somebody, and then we see the Hindenburg blow up. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe he shot the Hindenburg. <coughs> right. But, well, yeah, I, I had a hard time kind of navigating that and fi- trying to figure out like exactly what happened. So 
But I like whenever, like, if you could take real, like, historical facts. Like, I, I didn't research it, but I wonder if the guy that was actually supposed to fly that really did get sick or something like that, really did cause it to be late. It'd just be kind of cool if you found, like, these mundane facts around these big events and used those to be like, oh, well, because we did this, that caused the butterfly effect of these things to happen and caused the big event to happen. Right. I don't have, I'm looking at my notes because I remember, I didn't know if I copied that in uh, for my notes, but I did read something um, as I was trying to look up some different things um, about the the episodes and like just trying to kind of figure out, because they reference so many things and, and we know that there are some things that are kind of true that they kind of reference and they kind of... Um, take people from the, the show, like the art director put his own name in one of the art pieces in in this. So I know that they kind of like playing with that kind of thing. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I wonder how accurate some of this stuff is. And I remember coming across something that there was some um, fact about, um, well, a conspiracy theory, I'll say that. I don't know that anyone knows it for a fact, but actually about the Hindenburg and this conspiracy theory surrounding it um, and the events and what what you saw on the show, but darn it, I don't have it in front of me because I thought, well, I don't want to go too far into that because I don't know a lot about that. I, I know what it is, but I don't know too much of the history of the Hindenburg and I don't want to sound well, ignorant about it. <laughs> it sounds like Hindenburg conspiracy theory is something I'll go, because I'm not like a, a huge uh, like conspiracy theory believer, mm-hmm. but they always super intrigue me whenever people oh, are yes. like, oh, like flat earth, I don't believe it whatsoever. And if anybody believes it, sorry, it's just, I don't. <laughs> But it's one of those things like I've got a friend who's like super into it. I'm like, explain to me why you believe this. Yes. And you just he tells you why. And you're like, well, what about this? He tells you something else. And like mm-hmm. it's just enough of like, you know, you kind of got me on the line. I'm 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 fighting it and I'm going away. But you're kind of talking some, some they, sense. They have a way of sometimes, I mean, as preposterous as what a lot of folks who are <coughs> huge conspiracy theorists they almost sound like they're making sense. I knew someone who was so heavy into conspiracy theories that they just would go on and on and on. I mean, you throw anything out there as far as a popular like conspiracy theory and they would rattle on all about it. And it, oh, they could wow. almost make sense. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. he was kind of almost obsessed and he, he got to a point where he almost sounded very like maddening. And I'm like, you. dude, you've lost your damn mind. But he still well, kind of logically made some sense. And, it, and you can see where you almost could get swayed a little bit. But Well, and the thing with it too, like, you know, nine out of 10 of them are probably not true, but there's always that one that ends up being like, oh yeah, we actually were experimenting on American citizens for, you know, acid drugs or, yeah. oh yeah, we were actually spying on you through your computers. Like, you know, there's some that are true. So it's like, well, if that's true, then this obviously has to be true. Exactly. Yeah. There are some things out there that, that are conspiracy theories that turn out to be true. So it's, it's like, well, what should we believe? But yeah, um, I'll have to look that up and then um, I'll, I'll send that to you. But I like that number five. It was kind of interesting to see, you know, this uh, commission or this organization, at least where they were <laughs> folks for the commission worked. Um, and five's first day there when he goes back uh, after he calls this truce um, was just all these darkly comic moments. Um, there, there's this office full of pencil pushers um, and they're all trying to make sure that these tragedies and assassinate, assassinations go off without a hitch. And he's using that opportunity to gather intel on the apocalypse, but he can't get away from that handler. Um, no. Which, by the way, um, 
Kate Walsh is her the actress's name. She was Addison Montgomery on Grey's Anatomy. I'm a huge Grey's Anatomy fan, so it was a treat to see her. If anyone else knows who she is, um, she's been in other things, but that's what she's pretty well known for. Um, so he's trying to get away from this handler. She even follows him into the bathroom, yeah. Sean. No, no uh, gender-specific bathrooms there. They're all just... Yeah. Free for all, go wherever you want. So like unisex, which I'm okay with. I mean, I don't mind sharing a restroom with, you know, men. I've, I, Whenever I was in an office still before I worked from home, I used to use a men's restroom all the time. Now, <laughs> granted, it was an office full of women and there was one man that worked in the office. And oh, that was, there you go. Yeah. That was our manager and he was only in the office like two or three times a week. So chances were I w- wasn't going to run into him, but either the line was long because we only had a few stalls and a lot of women um, or just for whatever other reasons. I'm like, I'm not waiting. I'm going to go use the men's restroom. And I didn't care. Now, if there had been other men in there, I wouldn't have cared. I mean, that's what stalls are for. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just like, she's sitting there chatting away with him the whole time. And then she even peeks over the door. Yeah. She that's broke going a little too far. Yeah. She's going to go to HR over that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. The peeking over the be- the stall for sure, but. The people that talk to you while you're in the bathroom, like that's like that's private time. Especially if I'm trying to do a number two, like I'm embarrassed enough doing that with you in there. I don't want to talk to you while I'm doing it. No, isn't that an unspoken <coughs> rule? Yeah, I think so. But I think it. Like I remember, uh, there, there's a couple of people I know that have been in the army, and they're so used to like pooping in front of people. They're just yeah. like it's like it's nothing. Like we have to do. We had to do this for 15 years of my military service. So there's a stall here. I'm going to talk to you. I don't talk to people when I'm in the bathroom unless I have to, like in when you're in public. And if I have to, it's like, hey, this stall's out of toilet paper. Can you reach me? <laughs> Can you grab, yeah, exactly. get, grab me some? But you wait until you're out of the stall. And you, you when you're washing your hands, drying your hands, it's okay to talk. You don't talk when you're in the stall. The only time I've talked um, when I'm in the bathroom is whenever I'm drunk at a bar. And, <laughs> and that's the only time it's okay. <laughs> But anyway, it was so weird. It was like, oh my gosh, I know he wasn't technically using the restroom. He was just hiding out. And I'm sure she probably knew that. That's probably why she was okay with yeah. peeking over the the, this, the door like that. But I was like, ah, it's just so an eh, invasion of privacy that it just, it eked me out. But anyway, that's a really good number five. Did you have anything else you want to say about that? No, it kind of tidies up just kind of this corporate business life and the commission. It was kind of depressing. <coughs> All right. Well, my number five is number five. Um, I was I was really glad that we finally kind of get an answer here to, you know, number five says he was in the world post-apocalypse and he was the only living person. But it's like, well, you don't know what I've done. You know, it's what he tells the siblings. You don't know about the people I've killed. And it's like, well, wait a minute. We thought you were by yourself. Who are these people that you're talking about? Well, now we get, you know, an answer. He was able to time travel. And he worked for this organization called the Commission, and he was an assassin. And I'll I'll admit, anytime you start talking time travel, messing with the timeline and the butterfly effect, I just kind of start to lose it a little bit. It's too much for my brain to take. I don't know. Best best way to mess up a a show is and make it not work is time travel. Yeah, that's it's really got me, you know, kind of confused. And I know that, you know, it's not that I have a problem with it in general. Um, I know this is a comic book. It's just for, you know, I know it's not real and I'm totally fine with that. But when it starts getting too complicated, you know, now we're talking about all of these formulas and equations and talking about how 
you know, when the handler recruits number five, you know, she's like, oh, well, you know, sometimes people make these choices, um, you know, these everyday choices um, that can cause disruption in the timeline. Well, and then we've got to go take them out. And it's like, well, okay, now you're starting to throw me off. Um, and then like with, you know, number five, he comes back, he was in his 58 year old body and he comes back as, um, oh gosh, what, what was he 13? Are they 13? Is he 13? Uh, somewhere but, like 13 to 15. Yeah. Right? Teenager. Um, so it's just, it's really kind of got me, you know, just, I'm just like, wait a minute. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to think about it too hard, but it's kind of hard to follow for me anyway about how it all happens. But, you know, it was just kind of short and sweet. I had been kind of, you know, just aggravated that, you know, it took this long to kind of get his story and now we finally get it. Um, and I liked it. Okay. I think it kind of, you know, I think they did an okay job with it. It's just like, I don't know. I'm just kind of confused as to how these certain people, you know, mess with the timeline and what this organization is really about. And the fact that they can't stop the apocalypse, they're like, oh, well, this yeah. is just supposed to happen. Well, like, are they this building to it or is it something that, like, well, we don't care because we can go back a hundred years in the past or so right. we'll be fine. Or they want it to happen, yeah. you know, so they don't want to stop it. So I don't know. Um, but I was just glad that we finally kind of got that story. It was interesting to see his trek, you know, as he aged and he's, you know, pulling the wagon and you see different yeah. seasons, you see the you know, the, the decay of the world after it had been destroyed and hit, how he's kind of hidden out in what was left of the library um, and trying to figure out a way to get back home. Um, he's got Dolores and, you know, he's talking with her. He found a nice wine stash. Um, so no, I don't drink too much. <laughs> it me so much Tom Hanks and Wilson <laughs> and Castaway. <laughs> That's actually uh, the post-apocalyptic number five is actually my number three. Oh, okay. And it's because of all the things you really mentioned. Like it was like this would be really cool to see like how he and like it, like you said it's like Tom Hanks and Castaway. Mm-hmm. Like how would somebody survive in a post-apocalyptic world by themselves? And I was actually going to pose the question to you: like how long do you think you could last with no human contact, basically in a, a world that is empty, like there's nobody there? You know. I don't think, honestly, I would last as long as number five. He was like for 40 years, you know, he's all by himself with just Dolores. I don't know um, that I, I could have out, outlasted that or not. I mean, what's he eating? You know, mm-hmm. what what food is left that sustains him? I'm t- totally fine with the wine thing. I would be pleased to find a, a nice wine stash um, in a, 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 you know, a, a mansion that had been blown oh, up. Oh, yeah, that's a good cellar. point. Find yeah. some mansions, go to their wine cellar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the tops were all destroyed. It looks like the whole, you know, landscape was just completely just f- like laid flat and destroyed. But hey, big basements and cellars exist. And I'm sure those are treasure troves. Um so I don't know. I don't think I would do well. I do like me time. I do like time by myself. I'm okay with myself. So I'm okay spending time with myself. But 40 years with just me? No. <laughs> it totally makes sense why he'd be talking to a mannequin. Yeah, I don't oh, know if I it would that. be a mannequin, but I'd be talking to something or even just myself or something just to hear myself talk um, to make it sound like I'm having a conversation. And I'd probably be completely batshit crazy. I doubt I would be a sane person if I actually lived that long. Yeah, I think if it's a world like this where everybody just kind of more like disappeared, but like there's not like groups of people. Cause I think that's where you'd have to get like 
you know, then you got to worry about, okay, are these good people or bad people? Now you're, you know, competing for resources, but if it's just you, you're like, mm-hmm. all right, well, I'm just going town to town, getting all their canned foods and finding all these rations and like getting actual resources to keep yourself alive isn't as difficult. I could probably make it a decent amount of time, but yeah, as long as you get to find some books, find some magazines, find some magazines. <laughs> the important then, ones. <laughs> <laughs> and then maybe I could make it pretty decent. Right. Yeah, I guess if you just have the will and the drive, I guess it depends on the person and, and your personality and and how resourceful you are at scavenging and finding things to sustain um, your everyday life, water, food, or wine. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I guess if I thought there was a chance I could get back, like number five, and that's kind of what he kept striving for was, you know, I want to get back home um, and try to stop and prevent that apocalypse because it's not only wiped out the world, it's wiped out his family. So, I mean, I guess if you had that mission and that goal to get back, then that would be enough to drive you. And like you said, if you had, you know, books and things to kind of pass the time or, you know, you can walk from place to place or he had that nice little bicycle that he set up for himself later. That was a good idea. That was kind of interesting. Um, But I can't imagine how lonely that would. I mean, every single day, Mm. that's a lot of time. So, but I'm glad that we got to see that. It was an interesting little glimpse um, further into the apocalypse, um, kind of seeing his life a little bit and how the years have you know, passed him by. So I'm glad that we finally got that. So that's my number five. Yep. And that kind of tied into my number three a little bit. So nice. I'll jump into my number four. Um, we uh, we get to see, so we see that Klaus time travels or he opens the briefcase and goes somewhere. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> when he comes back, we see that he was obviously in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And we learn and get to see a little bit of what happened there is he got to meet basically the love of his life, Dave. Yeah. And so Klaus and Dave get to be together. Uh, it was really – I really liked um, the kind of when they're on R&R, they're at like this dance club. And it really felt like Klaus was made for like the late 60s, early 70s. Definitely. He's a hippie like, child. Yeah, like the look and like the clothes he was wearing and how he's dancing. Like that That dude like would have just like loved that time frame. Mm-hmm. But we see that those two fall in love and they fight on the battlefield. They fight the front, which uh, Klaus followed him to the front because he loved him so much. Mm-hmm. And we just get to see the emotional pull from this. And what I thought was interesting is in the, the sixth episode, when it was the, the, the day that wasn't, mm-hmm. Klaus talks about like, oh my gosh, Diego, I need you to tie me up because I need to get sober. Yep. And it took me a little bit to think like, I thought like, oh, he's getting sober so he can help stop the apocalypse. And then I'm like, No, he's getting sober so he can see Dave again. Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like, I'd like to go back to a couple other episodes where, you know, when he saw all those dead people and see if Dave was in that picture. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, like you said, time travel's weird, but, you know, that past had already happened. So did Dave know him? Oh, you know, or maybe, see, you're going to make my brain hurt. <laughs> yeah, or maybe, you know, maybe him going to the past is what caused Dave to die. And maybe Dave's still alive in one time frame, but not the other. Oh, gosh. So it's, but again, I just love seeing all that interaction between those two and getting to see Klaus kind of, it was sad, but it was it was kind of interesting to see this other side of Klaus. I know, because he's been kind of... <laughs> Like the kind of the comic relief, he's had some funny snarky lines and, you know, he's been really great. Like he's Robert Sheehan is a really great actor. I I really loved what he was doing with Klaus, you know, so far. But this episode just really stood out. 
I mean, he showed some amazing emotion um, in this episode. When it was really interesting, like when he, uh, you know, he has Diego drop him off and Diego was kind of, this is the other scene that kind of tugged at my heartstrings a little bit because Diego knows something's wrong with Klaus. It's just not as normal, like being like high or weird or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so we see him drop him off. We see him about to back up and I'm like, oh man, like. He's just going to leave him. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we see him walk into the VFW and. We see him looking at a picture, and you're like, okay, this seems like he, he's probably seeing somebody he knows. And what you see is you see somebody grab him, you're like, oh, shit, like, okay, something's going to go down, and it's Diego. Yeah. And you kind of like, oh, like, you have, like, family, like, heartstrings, because, I mean, that's, like, I know. all siblings or like, you know, you and your loved one, it's like, you kind of like, oh, all right, I'm too tired to deal with you right now. You start to walk away, and you're like, oh, no, like, I need, to, I need to take care of, you know, the loved ones in my life. Yes, because family is all we have. Mm-hmm. And I felt bad for the VFW guys a little bit because if you had somebody coming in in Vietnam, Vietnam War, like, you know, outfit in mm-hmm. 2019, you would think that they're just high and being very inappropriate, very disrespectful. Right, yeah, disrespectful. And so you kind of had that tussle there. But then you feel bad for Klaus because Klaus is like, no, fuck you. I was on the front. I fought. Yeah. I did everything that I, like, I'm a vet, but... He wasn't going to get that recognition because his picture like, no, was on the wall. That's oh yeah, and that cut scene to that. Yeah, and, yeah, it was pretty pretty touching. But um, I'm curious to see how far that goes with with him and Dave. But my number four is just Klaus and Dave. I like that. Well, that's actually my number three was Klaus, um, and you've you've touched on that a lot. Um, I he he just he did so well. Like I said, Robert Sheehan was so amazing when we because you know you and I had questioned from the last one it was like when Klaus had disappeared and we were like, where the hell did he go? And we got that answer. Um, and it really kind of surprised me a little bit. Cause I'm like, why didn't he just like time jump the hell out of there? Um, because you know, he, he opens up that briefcase mm, and, yeah. and he appears there in that, in, in, um, you know, where they're all sleeping and, you know, then they're all woke up and they're all having to go charge out. Why didn't he just be like, screw this and open that thing back up and get the hell out? I don't know if it's just because he was kind of shell shocked. Like, you know, not only where the hell am I, what the hell did I just happen to me? You know, he opens up this briefcase and he's all of a sudden transported to a, another place and another time. Well, he, he may not know it's a different time just yet, but he knows it's not in the place he was. He's not on that bus anymore. Um, so maybe he was just too, you know, like, what the hell's happening? Okay, I'm just going to go with the flow. Yes, I'm I'm a soldier. I know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but I loved all of that. It was so sad when he comes back, right back onto the bus again. And his he just looks absolutely devastated. He's got blood yeah. on his hands. He's, Which you know now had to have been like moments after Dave died. Yeah, he's got like his face is like kind of dirty and stuff, but you and you can see it like streaked with tears. So you know that he's been crying. And when he gets off the bus and he's destroying the the briefcase and he just curls up on the sidewalk. I mean, I just wanted to just ball my eyes out with him because I was just I'm like I don't even know what happened, but because Klaus is like so devastated for some reason, I I just felt like his pain, whatever it was that he was going through. Um so I really thought that, you know, that it was touching and really sad. Um and that, you know, he he found love. Um, and not only that, but he's aged, he was gone for like 10 months, but it was really like a night. 
So again, with this whole time thing, um, messing with my brain, but I really felt bad for Klaus and, and I thought it was sweet that he sobered himself up to be able to see his, his loved one again and kind of mm. get a little bit of closure there, you know, thought that was sweet. So I'm glad you brought that up. That was, that's my number three. I kind of rambled there and just kind of went on with it. Um, well, my number four, so we can kind of stay in order, uh, this Leonard guy, I, mm. this is kind of just short because I have like more questions. He, he murdered the first chair, the girl that was the first chair. I don't remember what her okay. name was. I saw the body and I was like, for some reason when I first saw it, every time I like flashed through it, it looked like Ben to me. Yes. Yes. It did me too. And it was tough. What, what gave it away and I had to go back and look um, is her purple violin case is propped up okay. behind her and it has her name on it. So uh, I nice. didn't know at first either. I was like all confused because you're, you're, you're seeing that. I don't know what you would call it. It's like that shimmer thing. That's like that demonstration of Vanya's oh, power, yeah. you know, whatever did this shimmer thing going through the air. As they were getting um, busy. As things were happening and going up through the attic. So I was kind of almost more focused on that. So I'm like, yeah. oh my God, wait, that's a dead body I uh, rolled up in there. Who the hell is that? So I had to kind of go there, back and. Is there a worse name to have to yell during passion is Leonard? <sighs> Give it to me, Leonard. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd have to have a, a, yeah, no, sorry, anyone that's named Leonard. Um, <laughs> you can't even shorten it, like Lee. That's not very good. Nard, Lenny? Nope. Lenny? No. Mm. No. Lenny's not bad. I mean, because then it's like Lenny Kravitz, so. Oh, well, that's true. I, yeah. could, I could deal with <laughs> Lenny Kravitz for sure. Okay, sorry. I had a moment. Um, but this, okay, so I, I think we're finally kind of, getting something is up with this guy. We've been pretty suspicious. Um, you know, and Vanya is clearly too trusting. Um, so it's like, who is this guy? Does he also work for the commission? Mm. Is he one of the other 36? Is he just a I'm, random bad guy? Is he just a fanboy? Cause he has the, the book. Yeah. He, he, has, he found that book. Mm -hmm. And so that's what was had. interesting about, um, the, the, the day that was an episode because at the very end, she finds it and is reading through it, and she discovers, oh, my gosh, I, I do have powers. And yeah. she would be kind of new. But <coughs> that whole day gets wiped out. Right. <laughs> so it's like, what what the heck happened? Or I know I, I almost feel like I'd have to watch it like maybe a third time to finally kind of get my brain wrapped around it mm -hmm. because of all the things that we saw when Five left and comes back and pretty much wipes out that entire day. So, but we know it happened. Yeah. And I don't know if it, if we would treat it like an alternate timeline or something. I don't know, but I just I'm trying to figure out who this Leonard guy is and what his motives are. How did he know to look for the book or that, sorry, that not really book, that diary that the one that Klaus threw out, um, yeah. you know, and, and to, you know, I, it's just too many questions and it kind of aggravates me. And then um, when Vanya, when Allison confronted Vanya um, and says, you know, you're unbelievable. You're trying to dig up a dirt on a guy that I like. She says, who does that? I'm going to tell you who does that. That's me. Yeah. Real friends. <clears throat> yeah. I do that. I do it on guys that, you know, if, if 
I'm semi-interested or even considering dating or something, um, if my friends, if I get a bad, now, I mean, if the, if I don't, it usually takes a vibe. I mean, I'm going to look up at least someone's social media. I won't go like digging dirt up on Google or anything like that, but I'm going to look you up on social media. Are you on Instagram? Are you on Facebook? You know, are yeah. you on any of those? I'm going to go look up and just kind of, you case know. case study? Be like, hey, do you have any open <laughs> cases against you? <laughs> sure. I mean, it kind of depends on, on, on the feels. But if I have a friend, much less a sister, I don't have any sisters, um, but I have, you know, very close girlfriends that I feel like are my sisters. And if any of them were dating a guy and I was kind of getting some bad vibes, you're damn tootin'. I'm going to Google this guy and I'm going to be all over his ass and trying to, you know, just kind of make sure he's on the up and up. Um yeah. You know, that's to me what Tiffany, friends do. And she got just probation for shanking one of her boyfriends. But we were already way too far into it. And I was too scared. So that's why I married her. She shanked the guy. She knows how to keep you in line. Yeah, you be, you she does. Be afraid. I was just checking to make sure she was I was going to say, you better watch out behind you there. I thought I saw a shadow. <laughs> I'm going to message her and let her know what you said. Um, but, I mean... I don't know. I feel like we all do that to some extent. I mean, even if you're not looking for trouble, you at least go look people up on their social media. And while it's not so weird um, to, you know, because I know some people still to this day don't have Facebook. They don't do Instagram, you know, and and that just angers me because then I'm like, what have you got to hide if you're not on yeah. there? It's like, why why, it's why do a... you not? Like Joe, Joe from you, yeah. you know, doesn't doesn't have any social media it's kind or whatever. Of a social norm now to have it so if you don't it's like you said it's like what are you hiding at least something at least one even, of them yeah and even today like you said like it's not really weird i think to search that because you know you could save each other a lot of time by doing that because you'd be like oh my gosh this person is a psychopath so i'm not gonna hang out with them or you know oh wow this person like obviously did meth one time because <laughs> they're doing meth in this picture and i'm not into that <laughs> So, I mean, you just kind of can learn those things a lot quicker and save yourself some time because I guarantee you the meth question doesn't come up on the first date. No, not well. I mean, maybe it should, at least in my area. Mm. I'm like, like in a the, checklist. Yeah. I'm like, kids, do you own your own home? Have you done meth? Three yeah, questions. Exactly. Yeah. At least, yeah, at least where I'm from, I'm like the number one meth capital around here. Um, but it like gives you an opportunity, like for me, like, you know, do they like dogs? Do they have dogs? Do they take have any pictures with dogs or any t- type of animal? Because that's important to me. Um, you know, do they have pictures like with their family? Are they like a family person? Or is it just a bunch of selfies and they're just completely self-involved? I don't know. You can find out a lot by looking up someone on their social media and kind of get a feel for if, you know, you're interested, if you feel like that would be something that you have in common with someone or, you know, that you can kind of relate a little bit before you decide to carry it on further. Um, I don't know if that's right or not, but it's, it's just totally what I would do. I mean, I do go off of first impressions. How does the date go? But I'm checking you out on social media. And if I got a bad vibe about you, I'm Googling and I'm doing a background check. So anyway, so I, I feel Allison was totally valid in, in Vanya and that she's totally sucked in because he's like the only one that's been paying any attention to her at all and given her any type of like positive reinforcement and like believing in her and encouraging her to do something and go for something. And, um, her family has just always kind of, well, they've been angry at her for, for that book, but I do like, you kind of mentioned, um, you know, how Diego and Klaus were kind of 
forming like this bond and how Diego comes yeah. back for Klaus and kind of has his back in that fight and stuff. Spending some quality bro time. I know, bar giggle. fight. And um, and then you have Five and Luther. They're kind of, you know, having some moments and kind of building their brotherly bond back. And Diego was a little bit of a part of that. And then Allison and Vanya, like Allison's trying really hard to be like, you know, I'm your sister, you know, yeah, maybe we haven't spoken much in the last 12 years, but we're sisters and I, you know, I care for you and, um, you know, want to, I want to protect you and, and, you know, whatever. So I do like, like how they're kind of coming together. So I like it. It's my number four is this Leonard. Who's this Leonard? I still, it's still just a big question that I have. And, and I'm just curious if he does work for the commission or not. Yeah, I think he's going to be the linchpin in all of it. Like, he's going to be probably the one that caused all this to happen. Yeah, he's got something. <coughs> well, uh, let's see. So our number, th- number my three. number three is the post-apocalyptic five. Mine, yours mine was, was Klaus. Klaus. So, so I number two. my number two. Uh, we learn Vanya's powers. So apparently she can control weather. She can control, like, environments <laughs> through her emotions. Uh, we saw it a little bit when she was getting – well, we saw it first when she was uh, trying out for the first chair. Right, her audition. Yep. She made people weep with her music, which mm-hmm. made me at first think it was uh, was more like she could control things with her music or her mind, which, to tell you the truth, the greatest superpower in the world would be mind control. Oh, Yeah. Because like when I, I'd be a bad like superpowered person because I'm like okay I have a superpower how can I earn money off my superpower <laughs> and mind control you're like hey I'm gonna go to Vegas or hey I'm gonna go like become like not like I don't want to be CEO I want to be like vice president of craft services at a place you know <laughs> you know make that like huge amount of money but don't really have any true responsibilities. That wouldn't be half bad. Nope. Yeah. It's like, hey, I'm going to be VP of Cancun Vacation <laughs> Resort. It's like, yeah, but this is McDonald's. I know. But you're going to give me that title and that job and exactly 10-figure salary. Exactly. <clears throat> kind of like the force. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but we see she can also kind of like bend stuff. She was having the that really intense argument with Leonard about her family. Not really yeah. an argument with him, but just kind of she was venting her frustrations. And she was controlling the weather and she was bending like the light poles and crashing cars. And mm-hmm. uh, it just seems like she's got some kind of really like rage-induced power to an extent or even pleasure-induced or happy-induced. So we, And we also learned that her dad knew this and that's yep. why he wanted to keep her a secret because she initially or basically was just like a huge nuclear bomb. Yeah. <coughs> Which doesn't bode well for, you know, what we know is going to be happening and if she's the cause of it or not. So, but yeah, my number two is just kind of, we get to finally see a little bit of Vanya's power. Yeah. And I think we're going to probably see it can like continue to grow. I mean, I feel like it's just now like the drugs, whatever it was that she was on that was suppressing those powers, um, you know, starting to leave her system, you know, and I think is, you know, she continues to feel what's inside of her and these drugs, you know, slowly kind of get flushed out. You know, it's all and I'm guessing probably within just a few days, considering that's when <laughs> the apocalypse is happening in just a few days. Um so, yeah, I like that. It's it's. I'm interested to see 
Um, and I'm also interested to see if it, they kind of um, kind of go against what we expect to happen. Cause I think a lot of people are like, Oh, well she's probably the cause um, of all of mm. it. And I'm, I'm curious to see if it's going to be something um, if they're going to kind of subvert our expectations a little bit, I kind of hope that they do. Yeah. Um, kind of like a big red herring. I would enjoy yeah. that too. I like whenever like you, you focus so much on that that you miss things. Mm-hmm. And then like you finally like your, your attention turns to like, Oh shit, I missed this the whole time. That's what it was. Exactly. Well, my number two is the tragedy of time. So we've made it halfway through the season. We're on episodes five and six, and there's 10 total. So we've got four more to go. So halfway through, it's become pretty clear to me that, you know, one of the key fascinations of the series is the tragedy of time travel. And from the world's perspective, we have Klaus, who was barely even gone. It seemed like he was gone for just like a day, but he had nearly a year of his uh, life-changing experiences that no one else will ever be able to understand. I know Five kind of was like, oh, I get it. Something happened to you because he's like, oh, I had a long night. And he's like, looks like you had a, you know, more than just one. Um, and he kind of just knew. Oh, he's like, oh, I know the headache. I know the symptoms. Mm. I know exactly what you're going through. Um, but he doesn't really understand what happened while he was gone. Um, and no one will really understand that. And that makes me sad for Klaus that he has to kind of go through that alone. And then five, you know, he's so damaged from all of his time hopping that he did that his closest relationship was with a mannequin. Um, And he hallucinates these lengthy conversations. So we know that time has messed with him in this time travel. It's messed with Klaus, even Hazel, you know, goes through a funk. He, you know, we saw earlier, Chacha was getting really, you know, kind of frustrated with him. Just like, where are you? Where are you for this? You're just not focused and you're not. And he's just kind of like, I don't know. I'm just, he looks so burned out. And he's, you know, he took an extended break from the mission. You know, he's supposed to be out, you know, finding Klaus while she's looking for more information on the family. He takes a little break and goes back to the donut shop to that waitress. I think her name was Agnes. Um, And just hangs out with her, has these, you know, little conversations with her and tells her that, you know, he's like, oh, well, you should push up your timeline on your on your uh, goal there. And she's like, well, why? And he just kind of looks at her and doesn't say anything. And then he's like, life's too short. And (laughs) it's like, yeah, I guess when the apocalypse is just a few days away, then, yeah, you might maybe want to go buy that farm today. But um it's just, I think, kind of sad to see what time has done to the people. And that kind of seems to be a big focus of, it's not the only focus, but it's like they keep putting it out there of how um, tragic it affects people and their lives and their psyches and um, what they go through. So I just thought it was interesting to kind of point that out. But it's my number two. What's your number one? Yeah. Oh, like sorry. That. Do you have no, something else you want to say? Um, well, I'll just, uh, jump into my number one, which, uh, basically just the whole sixth episode in general is the day that wasn't. And yeah. it ties a little bit into like the, a lot of the time stuff we've been talking about where, you know, <coughs> excuse me, there's a big, you know, butterfly effect thing whenever you talk about time travel. And I'd mentioned it earlier, whenever you introduce time travel into a show, it's very easy to like screw everything up. Like loss is a great example. You throw mm-hmm. time travel in there, like, like you could cut holes into you know, the, that show yes. a million different ways. Yes. And Umbrella Company, uh, Umbrella Academy may be running into that same situation with all this time travel possibility because you can't write all of it off to just time travel before it becomes too cliche. Mm-hmm. 
And the day that wasn't, you know, if it's done right, which I think they're kind of going towards, you know, you have number five who's trying to go in and stop this from happening, right? And he jumps in and erases this whole day. Yeah. I didn't so, like that, by the way. Well, and and the thing is, is like, okay, well, we know that when the, this apocalypse happened, all of the uh, the um, family member were there. But in this alternate timeline that he reversed, we know that Luther and Vanessa, Allison. or Alyssa, Allison, um, were going to leave. They were going to L.A. Yep. Uh, Diego was off doing something else. Uh, or no, Diego, yeah, Diego was off doing something else. Uh, Klaus was tied up. And at this point, we knew Vanya had figured out that Leonard had something weird going on. Mm-hmm. So... She she finds out that truth. She found yeah. the book and finds out about herself. So um, a lot of things seem to be coming to a head like three days earlier. Mm-hmm. Now, the alternative is he's just jumped in when we know that she's going to show up and be upset. And that can definitely alter the timeline where now there's a split party. Right. So I'm kind of curious if him time traveling back actually is kind of putting all this stuff into motion. Mm-hmm. And like we talked about his boss, maybe that's his boss main thing is like, hey – don't worry about messing up or don't worry about trying to stop that. That's what's supposed to happen because her goal is to give him a job to keep him there. So he didn't go back in time and mess it up because maybe he's the main launching point of this apocalypse. Right. But again, time travel fucks up everything. (sighs) Yeah, it does. And and that's become really clear throughout this uh, (coughs) series so far. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because my number one was actually about Vanya, that we finally get our answer. We were speculating, you know, she's on these drugs and they're calling her ordinary, but there's just no way she has to have powers, right? So we finally get that answer that she's very, very powerful. Hargreaves was suppressing her, a la Professor X. Kind of disappointing that it went that way because it was kind of predictable, um, yeah, you know, but it's like, eh, all right, whatever. Um, and you know, hey, maybe that big discovery about herself might be enough to head off the apocalypse, maybe, or maybe it could make her so angry that it will speed the whole thing up. Um, so, you know, like you said, that could, you know, who knows what that catalyst might be, if anything, or if she's even really the cause of it, or how that's going to come into play. Um, and then you talked about, um, you know, how this like whole day kind of got wiped out. And I feel like, the, you know, <laughs> this experience mattered for five because he gained some information and he sabotaged the commission from coming after him again so easily. But it also, I think this episode, even though it got wiped out and I didn't like that it got wiped out by the way, because I'm like, look at everything that happened. But I think it mattered for us as the audience because it was kind of like this glimpse into this parallel universe um, where we got some of these open roads and dead ends and we see where Luther and Allison were finally happy, which I'm still having trouble with. I still struggle (laughs) with this Luther and Allison relationship. I know that they're not blood related, but even adopted siblings are siblings. I mean, if you're, I don't know. Yeah. It's It's not blood, but it's, it's, not blood, but it's yeah. Your your family. Um, it's just it's it's just strange. And you know, I do watch Game of Thrones and I'm all for um, you know, the incest that happens in that show. 
it's it's it weirdly made me acceptable of it in the world of Game of Thrones. But when I see it in any other, which I'm not saying there's a lot of shows that do that, but if there are any that kind of flirt with that whole thing, it just icks me out. Um, so I'm really struggling with this whole Luther and Allison um, relationship. But they were finally happy. Klaus was able to get clean to be able to see his lover and get closure. So that I think that was important. Um, and then like you said, Vanya learned the truth about herself and why learned was so interested in her. Um, so I think that it's good that we at least got to see that regardless of how things will change now, now that that day completely got wiped out. Um, but I also want to make just one point while I'm kind of talking about Vanya and that my number one was about Vanya. So she's her superpowers. Apparently they're, like uncontrollable and they're very, we don't even really know yet the extent as to her power. And I don't really want to think Hargreaves, you know, wanna, don't want to give him too much credit for like not murdering his daughter because I feel <laughs> like um, he was very cold. He was abusive to all of his children. Yeah. And we've seen that even just in the, sh like the very first episode, how cold that he was. But it's like, if he really wanted to make sure that her powers never got out of control, he could have killed her. Um, yeah. But we still don't really know a lot about him. He chose to drug her instead. I don't know if we, only four more episodes, if we're ever going to get to really kind of know him or what his motives were. Um, so I don't know. I'm just interested to kind of see where it goes. Where does the story go? What causes the apocalypse? Um, I'm hoping that, I mean, so far it's really brought the siblings back together again. It was, you know, kind of disappointing to see them all so shattered in the whole family image. Like they all just really can't stand each other. They're all out on their own. They haven't talked to each other. They don't stay in touch um, or communicate or anything. And this event has, you know, their father's death has kind of brought them back and now learning of the apocalypse and all these things are kind of, you know, kind of bringing them back together. So I, I'm hoping for at least that much, you know, to kind of get that family structure and that sibling thing back, which would definitely make that whole Luther and Allison thing even more weird. Um, but that's my number one. I like it. Thanks. Well, what do you have for some notes? You know what? I think the only other note that I have here that we haven't already talked about is who the hell is Harold Jenkins? <laughs> yeah. Can he prevent the apocalypse or will be he, will he be the one to start it? <laughs> <coughs> Just going to be like some dude at like the donut shop. Yeah, he just he just wants a jelly donut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I've got a few notes. Uh, so I liked when uh, the commission or the woman uh, boss uh, saw number five in the apocalypse and basically said, like, not the end of everything, just the end of something. Oh, um, yes. I also like that the commission would allow you to retire to any time period with a pension. Which sounded awesome. You know, I didn't say, can you blame him for, I mean, five years yeah. contract? You can retire anywhere in any time that you want a pension. Not a bad deal. Yeah. Um, I thought it was kind of, yeah. I thought it was clever that uh, number five put out a hit on uh, Hazel and Cha Cha. <laughs> had them after each other. Uh, let's see. What other notes? Um, one question I had. So when Klaus was in Vietnam, I know there was – I've researched a little bit, but I know um, you know, there was a lot of heavy marijuana use and other narcotics. Sure, there's a lot of drugs. Know, in Vietnam. Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering if, if he was as high as he is in current times. I don't know. You know, and if that would make – I mean, would that make Vietnam worse, which I kind of feel like he probably would have been on just as much then. 
Oh, sure. But, if it's available, you know, he's scoring something. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, when you talked about the boss peeing next to uh, number five, <laughs> it was funny when she was talking about, she's like, she burnt her rugi. And when she was peeing next to her, she's like, that's why I'm on a liquid diet. That's what's with the, the continuous stream of pee. Um, Very oh, loud. Thing, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I drink a gallon of water a day typically, and I don't even have that strong of a stream. Do you really? Um, you drink a yeah. gallon of water? Yep, I take a gallon jug of water to work every day. Oh my god, I can't do it. It's the only way I found I could because I take that in there, and I just I try to make sure I'm done with that by the end of the workday. Do you have it like marked? People like put the lines on their bottles to say drink this between eight and nine, drink this much between nine and ten. <laughs> no, usually if it's like two in the afternoon, it's still half full. I'll like just start. I'll chug a lot more. Oh um, and you can usually tell how busy my day is because if it's like full at like three o'clock, I haven't been at my desk all day. Oh my God. I can't um, do that. The last thing I wanted to mention was Luther's non mission mission to Mars. Oh, the yes. Moon. We should just briefly discuss how yeah, terrible. So I know. And like I kind of smelled good. it coming. Do you think? Not, uh, I don't think it was good. I kind of smelt it coming, though, because when he was like, all right, I think it had something to do with the moon because my dad wouldn't send me there for no reason. You know, it had to be something with that. And I was worried that all of the brothers and sisters were going to be like, yeah, that was just that was just a thing. Uh It wasn't it wasn't anything. Dad sent you there because dad's a dick. Yeah. like I was worried the family would know, but it didn't seem like they did. But it was so heartbreaking for him to like come back and be like Pogo be like, oh, yeah, all that stuff is right there. It's like, oh, smart, Dad. And you open it up, and it's like all, all sealed. Yeah, like that's like you like giving a gift to your parents, and then being like, oh, thanks. And then a year later, you, you find, go and find it find still it wrapped in the closet. under the bed. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty heartbreaking for him. It, it. I, I don't disagree with that. It was terrible. Um, but I wonder. And I'm, and I still think Hargreaves, at least for now, as I'm seeing things, is a piece of shit um, father. But I wonder if it was, you know, he was trying to give Luther some purpose. Yeah. You know, he he. This was post accident. You know, he's been turned into what looks like a half ape, and he's you know kind of disfigured. He's super hairy. Um, he's not really serving a purpose on earth anymore. The umbrella Academy doesn't exist anymore. And I don't know if maybe he was doing that as like to give him purpose. You know, he didn't really need him to go, but I need you to do this. I need you. Cause it seemed like that's what Luther wanted to do. Like he seemed really anxious, you know, right before the uh, accident happened. Um, he seemed like, you know, oh, I have a mission. I have something to do. I have purpose. And now he doesn't, you know, after this accident. So he created this mission, fake mission for him to go and collect data. And although it's still kind of a shitty thing because he sent him to the moon for four years by himself and didn't have anyone to talk to or, you know, and he's isolated. So I think on one hand it is kind of a dick move, but at the same time, I wonder if it was a way for him to still kind of make him purposeful because he knew that's what Luther needed. I don't know. Maybe we'll find out more if we can find out anything else about Hargreaves, but I, and I kind of lied. I did find one other little note. I just have to mention a scene that I loved so much, and that was the ice cream truck. Oh, yeah. Coming, I had that one written down Coming too, yeah. down the road, playing Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> yeah, Ben going, Wee! 
Loved it. I laughed so hard. And I just thought this is <coughs> like the most perfect scene I've ever, yeah. ever seen in my like, life. This is the show I signed up for. Yes, this is what I've been waiting for. I mean, we've had some quirky moments, and Klaus certainly delivers that quirkiness that I love so much. He's kind of, you know, the black sheep. He's a little off-center, and he's quirky, and I love that so much about him because it reminds me so much of myself. Um, And then to see him and Diego, this, you know, these two that were not getting along at all in the beginning, and they're forming this bond, and here they come just down in this ice cream truck out of nowhere playing Ride of the Valkyries. It was like this perfect moment, um, and I loved it so much that it would be a total disservice not to at least mention it um, in this episode. But that's all that I had for my notes. Oh, gosh. So we do have some feedback. This week we do have a voicemail from our good friend, Steve Brown. Hey, everyone. Sean, it's Steve, and... I uh, wanted to get in some feedback for episodes five and six of the Umbrella Academy before um, you guys record, or hopefully before you guys record. Uh, in the first episode, there entitled number five, um, why didn't why didn't number five mention that he didn't find Vanya? Is just because maybe he's like the others; he doesn't think of Vanya as part of the family. I just thought that was was interesting, and uh, good call, Sean, on how the commission works. That whole work for us for five years thing and then we'll we'll set you up anywhere with a fortune and wow man they have uh they've done a number on klaus and uh love what we're gonna see in the next episode with the ptsd and, and uh, the changing of his character of making him to where he cares so deeply for someone and um i <laughs> love the old style modem tones when cha-cha is dialing the the phone to call the handler and I noticed at the beginning of the episode, this the second episode of the day that wasn't, it's 8.15 in the morning, and then Vanya and Leonard come to the, the, the house, and then we get the line where, you know, what's, what's going to help us this time that we're not going to die, and the, the episode goes on the first time we're at that point, and then we find out at the end of the episode that number five comes back at that moment. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this goes forward and um, which figure did Leonard take? You guys may have already answered this in the the podcast, but that I, I couldn't tell both times when I watched it. Okay. I've got to finish watching episode six, but I wanted to get something in before uh, you guys recorded. Talk to you later. Love it. Love it. Really good point about Klaus and that P- PTSD. I think that mm. was something definitely worth mentioning, um, and how how that affected him. <coughs> Love that guy. Okay, get back to my notes. There we go. So that's all the feedback that we have this week. Thank you so much to Steve, um, one of our loyal listeners. Um, always faithfully sending us in great voicemails that we look forward to every single week. Um, and thank you to everyone that takes the time, you know, to send us in some feedback if that's email. Um, we've had some Instagram, like direct messages, uh, fa- Facebook feedback. Um, and if you send in voicemails, we love all of it. So thanks everyone for taking the time. We know that, um, you know, everybody gets really busy and it's hard to take a few moments to do that. And we appreciate every single one of you that do. Yeah, thanks everybody. 
All right, so next week we'll be covering the seventh episode from the Netflix TV series The Umbrella Company titled The Day That Was and the eighth episode titled I Heard a Rumor. Hmm. I feel like that's probably, um, I don't know about the other one, but um, well, I'm guessing that probably has something to do with rewriting The Day That Wasn't. And then I Heard a Rumor is probably, probably about Allison. I'm just going to speculate here because um, that's kind of her power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to kind of see what happens here. So, um, well, we're really excited. I'm excited. Sean is excited for you to join. We're all excited here for you to join our Crime Fighting Academy. For mission updates, follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can check us out on Instagram at strange underscore indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod <coughs> at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And you can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com, like House Podcastica, because I believe in a couple days a very awesome show is coming back on the air and that is the podcast to get all the information you need for each episode yes um the rewatch has officially wrapped um and you can catch the latest episode of house podcast that just came out today today being friday um of the hopes and dreams episode um that was uh your normal co-host Kristen and Jason is now back for all of the episodes. And I was a guest. Sean did, was not able to make it. The poor guy was too sick to talk uh, about Game I of Thrones. I tried to hold in for it, but that tells I you was, how that tells you yeah. how sick he was. He couldn't even talk about Game of Thrones. No, like I was, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, I've got four hours pulled together, three hours pulled together, two hours. I'm like, oh, it's not gonna I happen. I just couldn't make it. We missed you, buddy. But that's it was okay. Like, it was like school, too. I'm like, well, am I really sick? And I, I slept for like 12 <laughs> hours after I told you guys I couldn't do it. So. I know. I felt so terrible that you felt so bad. I was like, I know you're sick if you can't talk about Game of Thrones because I know you love talking about Game of Thrones. Oh, I was excited to talk um, about it. We're going to yeah, we're, we're gonna have to talk about it. I'm going to be texting you after it's over. Or not after it's over because I know you probably won't get to it right away. But anyway, um, I'm going to have to talk to you about it. Um, whenever you watch it. So definitely check out House Podcastica because Game of Thrones is back um, this weekend and they're going to be hitting up all six episodes for the therapy we're all going to need. Um, I think it's it's going to be rough. So anyway, um, since we're talking about great podcasts, make sure to check out Sean and his other podcast, The Language of Bromance. that comes out every Sunday. Sean, what can we expect on the next one? Oh, this week, we have our interview with Ming Chen from Comic Book Men. He's so nice. Yep, he is awesome. That's he, awesome. Uh, we got to record it at his studio at a shared universe in Red Bank, New Jersey. Nice. Or it's in a, It's not in Red Bank. It's in the New Jersey area, right. though. But he was super awesome, uh, was super accommodating. So check that episode out, give it a listen, and check out all his stuff, too. That's amazing. Yeah, he's a really nice guy, has a great podcast. Um, I've met him at a couple of cons, and he's gracious and kind um, and just a very nice guy to talk to. So that's amazing. I bet that's a really great podcast. We talk a little bit about his uh, con experience, and uh, he's got a really great outlook on it. And we learn a little bit about how he got involved with Kevin Smith and Mm -hmm. how he kind of grew from that. And uh, just great, great episode. So check it out. Did he remember me? Did you ask him if he remembered? No, I'm kidding. He's like, wait. (laughs) (laughs) You're with that Rima girl, right? Yeah, yeah, we do Strange Indeed. It's like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Of course. No, I'm totally teasing. He (laughs) would not remember me at all. But I remember him. Um, 
That's awesome. Can't wait to look forward to that episode. All right. Well, that's our show. Episode 83 and number five in a day that wasn't. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Christopher Chu is strange indeed.